just finished the podcast with Mo. We chatted for an hour. That was a great chat. It was great. It was awesome. We yeah. talked about uh, mental health and dick pics. Great hour. <laughs> great combination of stuff to talk about. <laughs> this is Van Color. We're at the West Coast. <laughs> My name is Mo Amir, and today on This Is Van Color, I am celebrating the first anniversary of this podcast, and I am celebrating it with one of my most popular podcast guests, my very first guest, in fact. She is an announcer on Virgin Radio 94.5 FM. She is a panelist on CTV News. She's one half of The Undateables, whose best-selling book, Girl, It's Not You, It's Definitely Him, just got picked up by Blind Dog Media to bring you the dating stories of your nightmares to the silver screen. (laughs) The Undateables also launched a nail polish line this year in partnership with Girly Bits Cosmetics. She's also one half of The Exes, a podcast about dating and relationships, which you should definitely check out on Spotify, especially because I'm a guest on episode three. (laughs) She's conquered the trifecta of media, radio, TV, and print. She is my friend, the girl that kicked off this whole podcast. We're here together because of reality TV. She is Megan Edwards. Megan. Wow. How are you? That was an amazing intro. My goodness. Most popular guest? I'll take it. One of my most popular Okay. All right. Pretty popular. I'll take that one. That's fine. (laughs) I was very green when we first did this. It was the very first episode. Very first. Yeah. Yeah. A year ago. I was just saying that. How crazy is that? Time flies absolutely flies so really i wanted to know um i'm gonna turn the tables a little bit oh right away yeah right away i'm just gonna do it right away um what have you learned over the past year that's a great question Mm -hmm. so first i just want to say i'm so happy you're here you were plan a for my first year anniversary there was no plan b oh good it was you were bust i was gonna fold the whole thing yeah just cancel the entire podcast (laughs) (laughs) what i will say is in terms of what i learned from last year when you and Janet were here, Mm -hmm. and this is going to sound corny, is, you know, I'm still learning about authenticity. Yeah. And this whole experience has been such a trip for me. All the people I've met, the opportunities I've had to be on CKNW. I mean, we have Star Vancouver sitting in on this recording right now. It's crazy. No pressure. Because all I've set out to do is to have fun, to learn some things, and to talk to interesting people in this city, and that's it. So I'm not doing this for money or celebrity or anything like that. I'm just having a good time and and everything extra, like the CKW spot and, and things like that. That's me playing with house money, and it's fun, but I don't control that stuff, that extra stuff. That's right. not mine. But being in this booth, getting to talk to whoever I want to, it's liberating and whether it's four listeners or 4000 listeners it's an exploration of people and issues that interest me without catering to the mold or the restrictions of like you have to be a funny show or you mm-hmm. have to be a super serious show and it's interesting because i get those two criticisms from very well-meaning listeners and people who listen to the podcast which are basically the same i get the criticism from political listeners who are like Why are you interviewing all these silly comedians and media personalities? 
And then I'll hear from casual listeners who are like, why are you interviewing all these boring (laughs) politicians? And for me, it's like, yeah, I know that making boner jokes with John Cullen in a very fun episode one week and then talking about homelessness in a very serious episode with the BC housing minister the next week, like that doesn't fit a mold. But that's the whole point, because I'm not a media guy. I'm Mm -hmm. just like a guy. And the show isn't centered around a key demographic. It's it's centered around people and issues that I find interesting. And I'm grateful that when it does resonate with people, it does. Like, that's really cool. And I try not to focus on the outcomes, which can be rewarding, like when someone tells you you did a good job or whatever, or people are listening. Mm-hmm. And in the pursuit of doing what I want, it's it's humbling to have a listener base and to have people take notice. But even if they didn't, there's something rewarding especially in creating something that's yours to say like, hey, this is me. I'm putting myself out there. I am making a shitload of mistakes, <laughs> but I'm having fun just being me. So long-winded answer to your question, <laughs> but it isn't so much about what I've learned, but through this podcast, I've lived all the stuff about authenticity that I've supposedly learned my whole life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, totally. I think it's amazing, actually, because like you said, you don't have to fit into this box. You can talk about whoever you want and you're never going to please anyone. Let's be honest. Yeah, you know, absolutely. But I think it's cool that you can have the comedian one week and then you can talk about homelessness and Mm -hmm. and to a politician another week. That's what life is. It's not all funny. It's not all serious. It's a mix. Exactly. So you've nailed that, really. Thank you. And that means a lot coming from you. The fact that you were on the first episode, like, I will always be, you know, grateful and indebted to you. I mean, you <laughs> kicked it off with such a hot start. It was amazing. And and that's why I wanted you back. I wanted the whole premise of the show is authentic conversations and having real conversations, whether it's silly or serious or whatever. Of course. And I thought you just brought it so hard and set that tone from I the just get-go. had that attitude from the get-go. Right? <laughs> I also love that we're we're podcast friends. Like we see each other every six months just yeah. to record a podcast together. Yeah, it's just once in a while. <laughs> the occasional text, hey, how you doing? How's how's life? You know, that totally. Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Keep, yeah, keeping tabs on each other. Yeah. Double clicking on pictures, that sort of thing. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Thanks for all those likes. Yeah. Sliding into DMs occasionally. <laughs> Sometimes you got to comment on those Insta stories, right? Yeah, you have to. You have to. (laughs) I have to say, you have been killing it. And I'm legitimately jealous of you. Not in in a negative way, but like in an aspirational way. Because your book has done so well. Mm -hmm. You got this deal with Blind Dog Media. You just went for it. And it makes me so happy when I see not just like podcast guests doing well and raising their profile, but just like friends and people I know doing well and like going out there and putting themselves out there and making it happen. Right. And I love all that stuff until like we had a conversation that mm-hmm. was slightly interesting and it was about your book launch, which was about a year ago. It was yep. in May. Yep. And that's also why you came on the show to promote the book. And you told me something that really surprised me. So... Mm-hmm. I want to go back a year sure. to May. All your hard work with your co-author, Janet Reynolds, mm-hmm. it paid off. Girl, it's not you. It's definitely him. Yeah. Is out. Take me to your book launch. Describe that scene for me. Well, honestly, like you said, we had done so much work. We had been working on the book for maybe about, only about a year together, really. Maybe a little mm-hmm. bit over a year. Um, 
got it out pretty fast. Um, and then we planned this party. You know, it's a huge launch. Like, mm-hmm. we invite all your friends. We planned outfits, got our hair and makeup done. <laughs> it's supposed to be the best day of my year. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, that's a big accomplishment. A huge accomplishment. And it was probably the worst day of my year, maybe life. It was just the worst. And that is so unfortunate because I like to look back and think like, oh, yeah, I did a book launch and that sort of thing. But I just remember that day being extremely uh, chaotic in my head and just me being like, oh, great. I'm going to have to walk in in front of like a bunch of people, Mm -hmm. uh, talk possibly in front of them. And believe it or not, I hate talking when I can see a person Mm -hmm. like or a group of people. Rather, I hate talking in front of them. I'm used to the mic or I'm used to a camera in front of me. Right. I'm not used to eyes and facial expressions. Right. They're scary. (laughs) Um, And I was like, I'm going to have to walk out and I don't I just can't. I actually had like a, a breakdown in the car with my mom and Janet there. Wow. Like complete breakdown. But and they must have been, like, in contrast, they must have been ecstatic. Like, I, I imagine Janet was, like, super pumped. Maybe nervous, but yeah. otherwise super positive, pumped. And Janet put in a hell of a lot of work organizing it, too. I mean, I I work so much, and I get one day off a week. She'll have, like, stretches. She's a nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, so she'll have, you know, four days off. So she got a lot done for the launch during oh, wow. those days off. She did a lot of work for it. And um, so I know she... She had she had done so much. She had friends helping us. Um, she was driving us. She was, you know, she did so much. And I think that it makes me feel bad that I kind of broke down like that because I didn't want to ruin it for her. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was just the worst day of my life. And the reason is because I was dealing with what I thought at the time was depression. Mm-hmm. But what I know now is actually bipolar too. Okay. And so... At that time, I actually I actually didn't really know. I was just like, oh, I'm in a bad space, whatever. Right. Um, but then soon after, I thought it was depression. Only recently did I realize it was it's bipolar too. And I, I guess people conflate the two: depression yes. and bipolar, right? Yeah. So I'm curious: when you thought it was depression, did you think it was something clinical, or you just thought that people go through highs and lows? Well. I have always gone through highs and lows. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, most people do. Maybe not in like your circumstances, right. but I think most people have highs and lows. And- I think so. I just felt like my highs and lows are really hard to get through. And mm. I don't know what anyone else's highs and lows sure. are like. So yeah. I could only deal with what's going on with me. And yeah, I... I I've gone through so many, like I'll have these like highs and it's like, I, I can do all kinds of stuff. I'm like, I can get work done yeah. and I'm like, yeah, undateables. Blah, 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 and I, I just get so much done. And then a few days later, I will just crash, mm-hmm. crash hardcore. And it's like depression, like severe depression. Right. And it's to the point where I sometimes don't want to get out of bed. Do I get out of bed? Yes. Mm-hmm. I have to. I'm single and I um, am freelance. I have to get out of bed to make money. If I don't work, I don't get paid. Sure. So I'm like the best bipolar person you'll ever meet. <laughs> like seriously. Functioning bipolar. Functioning. Like I get up all the time and I work hard, but it's, it is hard. So when... At- because what strikes me as interesting is that I think, as I said, I think we all go through highs and lows. I can certainly relate to highs and lows. And even when you're low, like feeling completely shitty and not wanting to get out of bed and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. what is so alien to me, 
just me as a person, is the fact that you're on this big accomplishment and everything is going so well. Mm -hmm. And to feel like you did, that is alien to me. Mm -hmm. And I can understand feeling nervous or... Uh, maybe even insecure about what people are going to think, and mm-hmm. you know, are they are they laughing at me behind my back? But even that, I think, becomes so little compared to just the magnitude of the accomplishment. Yeah. So, at what point, and and that's why I find that story really interesting. At, at what point did you kind of come to the realization that this is something that maybe needs assistance or intervention? Well, I had been on antidepressants uh, a few years before this. Oh, okay. And um, they just kind of weren't working how I wanted them to work. So <laughs> I just stopped taking them, and which I don't recommend, by the way. Um, uh, so I was fine for a while, it's, it felt like. <laughs> but then it almost seemed like, and I was in a bad relationship too, so that did not help things. Yeah. It just seemed like it was a slow, slow, slow decline. And then all of a sudden it was just like, bam. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, you heard that. <laughs> Bam. It was just, it, it got so bad so fast. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I I don't think I would have gone to get help because I was like, I don't want to go on medication again. I don't want to do that. But I had like Janet pushing me. I had like my mom. I mm-hmm. had a guy I was sort of seeing at the time uh, pushing me. Mm-hmm. They were like, there is something that's not right about you. Right. Like you are just losing my shit on something one day, but you could say the same thing to me the next day and I'd be fine. Like it was just, it wasn't good. It wasn't normal. And how I was feeling, I remember how I was feeling and I don't think I could have gone on much longer feeling like that. So you were saying that, you know, a lot of people around you were, were pushing you to seek assistance, intervention, however you want to call it. Mm -hmm. How are you justifying it in your own head? And like, why were you resistant and, uh, because you're saying they're pushing you, like they're really telling you to do this. So yeah. why were you... Well, the medication is one thing, but also mm-hmm. I always feel like when you go to the doctor, mm-hmm. it's, they're just like, oh, here's Ciprolex, take it, like, here you go. They don't actually like look into what's happening. They ask you a few questions, but they don't ever seem to really, I don't know, figure you out. Right. It's just a doctor's appointment. And then I was scared too that they'd be like, okay, well you have to go to a therapist and a psychiatrist. And I'd be like, well, I'm not covered. I don't have the money to pay for it. Mm. I mean, sometimes therapists are $200 each time you go. Yeah, they're not cheap. No, I did not have the money. So I think it was those things. I was just like, I can't afford it. I have no energy to go to a doctor and sit there. And when I'm in these places, I'll just sit there and I just cry in front of my doctor. It's very awkward crying in front of a doctor, (laughs) like a GP, because they're not really trained for that. So they're just like, "Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm." they don't, they're not like, cry it out. Tell me how you feel. Right. It's, it feels weird. I, yeah. don't, I didn't like it. Um, so that's why I was just avoiding all of these things. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way to cope with things, but it is what I was doing. I had also read about, because I'm in entertainment, I read mm-hmm. about Mariah Carey um, coming out and saying she had bipolar too. Mm-hmm. So when she did, I was like, what's bipolar too? Because you only ever hear about bipolar. Um, so I Googled it. Uh, as you do and all these symptoms came up and I was like oh wow that's me (laughs) interesting so you've had this history with depression as you Mm -hmm. said you were on antidepressants Mm -hmm. 
do, do you think that was misdiagnosed and you were bipolar this whole time? Like, I have no idea how any of this stuff works. So Yeah, I do, because um, I always had the highs. Right. With it. Like, bipolar, okay, so with bipolar, your highs are super manic. Um, like, you could be like, oh, I'm going to buy a car right now. I'm going to drive across the country. Like, that kind of manic. Interesting. Like, impulsive almost? Impulsive. That's bipolar. With oh. bipolar 2, you get what's called hypomania. And hypomania isn't that isn't that manic it's mm-hmm. more like i can get a lot of sh- shit done today i can i can work really hard i can do this I, i'll book a bunch of appointments this week I, you know it's more like that right you almost feel like you're high on like caffeine but like extra like you feel sh- well i do anyway maybe not everyone feels sure like this. yeah i feel very shaky almost and like oh i can do all this stuff but then i book all these appointments and then the next week i have I'm depressed and I'm like, cancel, 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 cancel. Interesting. Just couldn't do it. So that's the difference between the two. And um, I forget the initial question that you asked me. Or well, why no, I'm on- well, no, I did I did want to ask about the, the difference between the two and whether you oh, felt like was, you had bipolar this whole time. I think I did. And looking back now to what I know, what I know now and what I remember from my past, absolutely I do think I had bipolar this whole time. So then... So, okay, let's go back to the timeline here. You have people around you pushing you to, pushing you in a very loving way, I should say. Yeah. yeah. But they're encouraging you to seek assistance to get help for this. Mm-hmm. At what point did you decide, okay, yeah, this is an issue? I mean, you said you went to Dr. Google and you read a few things. Mm-hmm. At what point did you decide, okay, I have to get, I have to look at this? And at what point did a professional or someone else say that, okay, yeah, you do have this? I, well, this, a year ago, I went to the doctor. She, like I said, just kind of threw a prescription at me, was mm-hmm. a little, was nice, obviously, yeah. but like, you know, so I took this prescription. It just didn't seem like it was doing much. Mm. I was still having these episodes. Um, my depression was a bit better, but I was still having these almost like manic episodes, mm. uh, hypomanic rather. And so a year goes by to last month. Even May. yeah, even maybe the end of April, and Janet again. Thank God for Janet. <laughs> <laughs> Janet was like, um, "This is still not right." She's a nurse, so she was like, "I'm coming with you to your next appointment." Because mm. sometimes when you have something going on with your brain for so long, it's so hard to explain to people. It's not like, "Oh, I broke my arm. Let's do an X-ray, and you can see my broken bone." Right. I can't show you what's happening and and I can explain it but it's hard to explain mm-hmm. what something that you're so used to so she was like maybe I can help you since I'm a nurse mm-hmm. so she came in with me and she heard me explain it and later on she was like you just sounded so nonchalant talking about this feeling you're having it's but to me it's like so normal right so I couldn't talk about it any other way but thank god she was there she had a miniature little cry fest okay (laughs) which helped i think that helped because then the doctor was like okay okay i see there there is an issue here Mm -hmm. with me talking about it i don't know if she would have thought there was as it was as bad as it is right so because you were like a fish in water yeah like this is my regular life yeah i was just like so i have these hypo or i just said i have these like crazy like highs and lows and you know i was just talking normally Mm -hmm. and having janet there really helped so my doctor said there's uh, I live in New West. There's a free clinic in New West because I'm like, I'm not covered. Like, help me. Um, free clinic in New West. Uh, so she told me to go there. I just had to go there on my own. Mm-hmm. 
And that was the beginning of really figuring this out. That was a month ago, a month and a half ago. So when you say clinic, you is it like they a prescribe medicine? Like they prescribe, yeah, prescribe medicine and there's therapists or what's... Yeah, a mental health clinic... Um, so they, I got a therapist right away. He was awesome. And my first appointment with him, I brought my mom with me. Okay. So I was like, again, I need someone here to help me explain this. And my mom, mm. obviously, like I grew up with her. Um, so she was there and helped me explain. And he even said when he was sitting there, he was like, I, it sounds to me like you have bipolar too. Mm. And I was like, yes, because I just <laughs> knew it. I know it's crazy to think <laughs> that, but I was like, yes, bipolar too. Awesome. Because it's like almost like a relief. Like finally, right? It's not just depression, um, but it must also be a relief to just have something diagnosed, as opposed to having someone say, "Oh, there's nothing wrong with you. Yes. You're fine." I was scared that they were going to say that, yeah. and I'd be like, "No, no, no, no! Like, how am I going to live like this? I can't." Um, so yes, when he said that, it was great. So then he can't prescribe medication. He uh, told me to go to um, a psychiatrist who was in the same building, mm-hmm. went to her. She said the same thing. She prescribed me medication. So I'm still seeing the therapist and still seeing the psychiatrist. And it's free. For like 12 sessions, it's free. Oh, wow. I know. And honestly, the therapist, I love him. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. He called my GP. He was uh, like concerned yeah. for me. So he called her asking about the medication I was on initially. Right. He's he's called me a few times and been like, how are you feeling today? I'm like, man, he just does it for the pure love of it. Yeah. And I'm so, I'm so grateful I have no coverage because this is what <laughs> I, this is the path I... I had to go on and I met the most amazing people. Did you feel or do you feel like this is something you had your whole life or like what's your earliest memory of having bipolar two or these shades of it or or did you never really think about it? Did you think that everyone kind of lived like this? Um, I think I've had it. I don't know when I was like a really little kid, but I think once I was a teenager, I started having these yeah. episodes. Um, but I also think in my life, there was depression around me with certain people in my family. Mm. And maybe at times things could be a bit chaotic at, in my family life. So I thought it was normal. Like, right. I didn't know any different. It was when I lived with a boyfriend and he was like, your moods, I can feel you going like up and mm. then down. Because obviously he didn't grow up with that. So it wasn't normal to him. Right. So I think I've had it all my life. And really with bipolar and bipolar 2, it's, um, I think it stems from uh, dealing with things, how you deal with things. So that was my coping mechanism for the things I went through when I was a kid. It just developed into bipolar 2. To I don't get know. really busy and to overbook yourself? Or like, yeah, what just, do you mean to cope? I just, I don't want to like blame anybody in my family, but, um, with some of the things that I went through, I found it stressful as a kid Mm -hmm. and, um, it just, I guess my coping was, I was just trying to cope and I think it developed into depression and manic episodes. I don't really know how, but that's kind of just what I've read about bipolar. Yeah. It develops. It's interesting because I think when we look at mental wellness, there's maybe a false binary in the sense that some people look at it as a pure medical thing in terms of your brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. And then other people look at it as it's stemming from 
stuff that happened as a child or trauma or, or something like mm-hmm. that. And it sounds like if you're on medication and you're seeing a therapist, mm-hmm. it sounds like maybe it's a mix of both. Like, how, how would you describe it? Do you, do you think it is a more medical thing or do you think it is more of a socialized thing? I mean, I think I developed? could be prone to depression, bipolar and that sort of thing because of if, there are a few people in my family who suffer from it. Mm-hmm. So it could definitely be that. And I think it's definitely um, stemming also from things that happened when I was a kid too. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe it is a little bit of both. I, my therapist has made me like realize some stuff like lately. And I was like, whoa, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about that. And do you want to talk about that stuff? Um, I'm trying to think. I no, no, because I don't, okay, wanna, I don't want to like blame anybody. Okay. And, no, that's, you know. that's understandable. But, yeah. um, yeah, it's been, it's been really great. He's been amazing. Yeah. And I don't I don't usually like to go to men for these sorts of things. I like to sit and talk to a woman. Mm. Um just because I feel like maybe she'll she would understand me better. So when I first heard that they set me up with a guy, um therapist, I was like, "Oh, I really wanted a woman." And now I'm so glad I have him. Yeah. Like he's awesome. Yeah, he's so awesome. And you're on medication as well. Well, I started medication um mm, three, four weeks ago. Uh, it's called Lithium. Okay. I think it's been around since like, what, the 40s or 50s? I yeah, think, Kurt Cobain treat... wrote a song about it. Yeah. <laughs> to treat bipolar. Um, so what I do is th- they've been upping the dose every few weeks mm-hmm. to get me on the proper dose. Um, and I get blood work done to make sure my blood level, the lithium level in my blood is is like correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just still getting there. I'm not there yet. But do you have any idea or has any or of any of the professionals that are working with you given you an indication of what this road is going to look like? Like, are you going to be on medication for the rest of your life? Is this something that heals? And, and maybe that's a, a basic question, but I'm just curious because I don't know no. if this is something that gets fixed or you are now. I mean, I don't knowing myself, I don't think it will ever get fixed. Mm. And just knowing what my it's been like in my head for the last what since I was 13 since mm-hmm. I was a teenager it's always been like this maybe just worse in some stages yeah I don't think it will ever go away I think it will be there forever I I think there's ways Chris my therapist said there's ways of coping with it there's ways of managing it and learning how to deal with it mm-hmm. and um so I think it's good. You can't just medicate yourself. I don't think anyone should just medicate themselves. I think um, doing the therapy is essential mm-hmm. because there's there's other things there that you need to sort out, you know. Is is the therapy focused on being cognizant of having bipolar 2 or is it digging into personal stuff, whether that's trauma or stuff you were socialized with, or is it doing both? It's it's both, and it's whatever I want, really. He oh, just really? lets okay. me lead. Yeah. He never sits there. He doesn't sit there with a piece of paper and sitting there writing like a lot. You see a lot of therapists in movies doing that, and if sure. you've been to a therapist, <laughs> they all they sit there and they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're writing things down. He sits there with his hands in his lap, and yeah. he's like, what, you know, what do you need to talk about today? What do you want to talk about? And I'll sometimes lead it or sometimes he will. He'll ask certain questions and it just goes where it goes. It's mm-hmm. not just like you have bipolar. Let's focus on this. It's just 
and I wanted to bring something up the other day. I was like, it, you know, relationships. I wrote a freaking book on all my dates. Like I was like, <laughs> why do I suck at relationships? Does this bipolar, does this, what's been going on with my brain have an effect on my relationships? Right. And I wanted to figure out how, if so. And that was just great. What Did you come to any realizations or conclusions on that? Yeah, definitely. I think... Um, Sometimes, uh, I'm trying to think of how to say it, um, fear of being, um, not being able to trust the person you love. Mm. That's been a, a huge thing for me because of things I experienced in my childhood. And he's, he really talked me through that. And that has been something that I think I have purposely tried to ruin relationships. Sure. Like, yeah. Not, n- not like I want to ruin them, but... I just was so focused on you're going to hurt me. You're going to hurt me and I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to find out. I'm going to go through your phone. I'm going to go <laughs> I'm going to question you just going like crazy. Yeah. But basically ruining relationships because of my issues of just not trusting the person that I love. Mm-hmm. And that was like yeah, that's a Were you high and low in relationships too where you would be like totally in love with someone and everything is great and then yes. low like what am I doing in this relationship? Like yes. was were, were was that in extremes as well? Yes, and I found because sometimes I was trying to get myself out of this low and I was like what's going to put me on like a high right now? Oh, I'll get a boyfriend because you know that love feeling that first year you have those butterflies. Sure. Ugh. It's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Being in love with love. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. That's a thing. But you know, you're so like, it almost, it put me on a high. So I felt like I was, I've realized this now. I was looking for love to try and get me out of my depression, to try and lift me out of it and put me on a high. That right. high doesn't last forever, honey. Like it doesn't. Because <laughs> then as soon as that love feeling goes away, did it fix my depression? Did it fix my bipolar no yeah it didn't you start to crash so i've ruined relationships that way yeah because they've they've just died and and that seems to be an extension of the tried and tested relationship advice that i think most people give which is you can't expect a partner to fix whatever ails 100%. you right and and obviously this is a great extension in terms of bipolar but even just yeah. other insecurities other stuff that you're working through you cannot expect that once I find the perfect one, <laughs> I'm going to be all fixed because it doesn't yes. work that way. You're you're accountable to fixing yourself, right? Absolutely. And that is why really in the past year, I mean, like I've seen random people occasionally, but I mm-hmm. have not, I have not focused on trying to find a relationship a little bit because I'm scared. I don't want to do that again. What I was doing before, mm. I don't want to just have a relationship to bring me out of depression. I want a relationship because I like this person's company, because I enjoy being around them. I love them, whatever. Um, So I've been very weary of of finding relationships or forcing them. Like I don't go on Bumble. I don't go on Tinder, nothing like that, because I feel like that's forcing the situation. Right. And that's not what I need right now. If it happens, it happens. Naturally, cool. But I don't want to be using that person to fix me. Right. Because that's not going to work. One one of the, and I, I and please forgive me when I say this, because it's coming from ignorance and I'll completely admit it. Yeah. <laughs> one, one of the, uh, the things that you hear from people is like, oh, you know, if you're feeling this way, 
go do some yoga, go eat some kale, go, uh, go on a hike. And, and so just from my own personal experience and I, I, I I don't think I have anything clinical, but I, I go through highs and lows and I find that for me, if I am in a low, I will go do something that I find is nourishing and then I will feel better. So Mm -hmm. I'm probably one of those idiots who has told people (laughs) to go do that. And for a lot of people that, that will work like certain lifestyle changes. Sure. I imagine you heard this. I imagine maybe you tried some of this. Mm-hmm. Give me give me that experience. When I was at my ultimate, ultimate low, mm-hmm. the one thing I was still able to do was go to my oxygen yoga classes. Okay. And not I don't do yoga there. I actually do the fitness classes. Sure. It's all in a heated room. For some reason, that it has stuck with me. I hate working out, but that <laughs> has stuck with me. I'm like, yes, I can do this. For some reason, even in my lowest points, I could still get up and do that. Mm. And I remember walking up the hill back to my house after that every day and thinking, I want to die. I want to die. Like from my depression. So like. Sorry, I'm, I didn't no, mean to no, laugh. No. I, thought, I thought you wanted to die because you're about to no, work out. Sorry. No, no, no. no <laughs> you're being serious. I yeah. was serious. Like sorry. I, no, it's okay. I, I thought I love doing this. This I could still do that, which is uh, crazy. I could still get up and, and, and work out in my deepest, deepest, darkest depression. But right when it was done, I was just like, I, I can't. I can't do this. I can't do the rest of this day. I can't go hmm. to work. I can't. I don't even have the energy to shower right now. Like it was like that. Wow. So when someone tells you to go work out, I'm telling you that doesn't work when you have mental illness. It doesn't make you feel a little bit better. For sure it does. Of course it does. Mm-hmm. Um, working out, everyone should work out. It's amazing for you, but it doesn't cure any sort of mental illness. Right. You know, it's just not. And and again, that's another scenario similar to your book launch where that's completely alien to me because any workout I've done, mm-hmm. I've thought not literally, but in passing, yeah. I want to die. I don't yeah. want to be here. <laughs> but after the workout's over, I because of the endorphin rush, because of a sense of accomplishment, whatever, I've always felt like, oh, that was great. I've never regretted a workout. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. So that is also very alien to me that you would still feel depressed after yeah. a workout it was some of the worst times it was so crazy because like i said i could get up and do the workout mm-hmm. but when i was done i was just like oh now what back right. to back to what <laughs> like great i'm gonna go home i'm gonna make breakfast i'm gonna share like and i get pleasure out of doing those things when i'm feeling healthy i love going to work out i love coming home i love having a shower and i love making myself tea like that's like my thing sure and it's like such a tiny thing that's my thing too we're pretty basic yeah basic <laughs> bitches right here but like i love doing that yeah when i was in my darkest place i was like i you actually feel like you literally cannot put water in the kettle really like, it's that like everything feels like such a chore hmm. honestly i remember thinking like i can't even put my hands up to wash my hair in the shower really it just felt like everything i just didn't have the strength like that's how it feels right. to me i just didn't have the strength i do want to go back to what what you just said earlier in terms of you walking up the hill and you thinking i want to die mm-hmm. and again i took that in a different way um, and I, again, apologize for no, that. I was fine. not making light no, of that. No, no. Did you feel suicidal or did you feel like you just didn't want to participate in life anymore? I didn't want to participate in life. And I think I felt 
like suicidal to a point that not like I planned anything. Sure. Um, I didn't make a plan, but I mean, my doctor has said before, well, sometimes plans, you don't make a plan. It's just a split second decision for some people. Hmm. Um, but I didn't make a plan, but I did think different things. Like I thought if I was driving over a bridge, like, oh, just, I could just move the wheel like this and I'd go off the bridge, you know? Hmm. One time I went to like a shooting range, um, I think in Poco. And I thought I like would picture that a lot. And I'd picture myself turning the gun to my head and like shooting myself. Whoa. Like that would happen in my brain that I, I would just envision these things. And I was think I would think like, oh, I could, but if I did it this way, then people would find me this way. So I could leave a note on the door, like that sort of thing. And having that go through your mind every day is not good for the, for anybody it's bad. That's really scary. Yeah. It is. It's it, So like I said, there was no plan, but I would visualize things. Oh, I could do it this way. Oh, I could do it that way. But I would I? No, I don't think I would. But like she said, sometimes suicide for some people is a last minute decision or a split second decision decision rather. Yeah. Like, oh, I got an, op- an opportunity right now. Let's just do it. Um, that's yeah, that's really scary. And I know you said bipolar is the one where you're a little more impulsive. Yeah. So that you're prone to doing impulsive things without really thinking them through. Like that could be. Yeah. Yeah. True. I, I don't. I just think for me, I don't think it would be the impulsive thing for me. I think it would be like I literally can't live another day like this hmm. it would just be like I'm so sick of this was there any sense of wanting like when you're in these moods and these lows was there something that you really just wanted and felt like you didn't have I mean uh, and you know everything you've said about my career is so nice um, but I am not where I want to be exactly and so I would think to myself I want why am I not where I want to be in my career mm-hmm. that would always pop in my head always the career stuff always never really anything else I have a great family I have great friends mm-hmm. I don't have a boyfriend and I love it sure yeah <laughs> um, I don't really live in the the nicest place ever like not my dream house or anything but it's not bad mm-hmm. I decorate it how I like it's you know I really like being there um, but it was always my career and I'd be like I'm not where I want to be I should be further along which I find also fascinating because you know that there's people that look at you and they're like she's gorgeous she's in the media she's got it all figured out and she's killing it and there's probably people that look at you hopefully in a positive way in an aspirational way that like oh i want to be as self-mastered as megan edwards (laughs) but i do find it interesting that that's the thing that you're that you were focused on yeah right well it's the only thing i've ever wanted and i and i and i wonder and again it's kind of a hypothetical at this point but even if you had achieved all of that because again being on the radio, having this book deal, the the book deals auctioned off for silver screen rights. This is huge, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and we all we all have a sense of wanting in terms of where we want to be or what we want to be doing, but like you're still killing it. Yeah. I mean, I think to me um success also means like I'm not in debt. I'm not sure. struggling to yeah. pay my rent sometimes. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like I, I kind of picture it differently. Um, picture just being the best at everything. And yeah. I know everyone, everyone's good at, you know, you can't always be the best. But I always want to be like, I want to be the Beyonce of 
book writing. I want to be the Beyonce of um, radio announcing. You just want to be Beyonce. (laughs) No, I actually don't like Beyonce. Oh, really? really? Okay. Fair fair enough. But I, you know, that's what people talk about. The Beyonce of something. Yeah. But, you know, even in in radio, I work in radio and recently um, I applied for two of the jobs there and I didn't get them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, like I've been in radio for 12 years. Like, Come on, I want to do this. Right. I just really have to sit there and think like it's not meant to be. This is not meant for me. I'm mm-hmm. meant for something else. Um, I've come to terms with that. I feel I feel good about it now, though. No, that, that's good to hear. And again, I wonder because, like I said, whether it's your book launch or even something as little as how you feel after a workout, I wonder if even if you had achieved everything and everything went your way, you probably. St- would still want more and you and because of mm. uh because of how you felt even during your highs or career highs or uh accomplishments like it just seems like that almost didn't matter in terms of wanting more in your career because you had all this stuff going on right maybe i mean there's a lot of things too like with our book we self-published our own book Mm -hmm. so that's huge i wanted to do it janet wanted to do it as well and a lot of things that i want to do i just make it happen like i just decide i'm going to do something and then it happens but it's not like someone came to me and was like megan i want you to you and janet to write a book and i want to pay you this much money no we paid for everything like (laughs) it's expensive yeah we had to do it ourselves so I, i think there would be there would be something different if someone people were coming to us and being like, yeah, we want to do this with you. And Blind Dog did. Blind Dog Media came to us. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. That feels great. So it's happening. It's happening. Just, you know, I'd like, you know, a million dollars in my account. <laughs> I'm not asking much. <laughs> Just help me out, people. <laughs> yeah. I, and I appreciate you sharing all of this. It's It's interesting. And like I said, you do have people that follow your career you have a lot of fans that like your work Mm -hmm. this could have easily been something that you didn't want to share and we could have had a conversation about dating and yeah talked about dick pics again but (laughs) well we still could oh we got time we got time (laughs) i have a great dick pic story for you actually but keep going oh sure i'm looking forward to it (laughs) i'm just curious like do you feel it sounds like you you really want to get this story out and you really want to get your journey out and, and share it with other people. Yeah. Why? Like, why do you feel maybe an obligation or? I think that especially because of my career, like I'm in, I've been in radio, TV, I've done everything possible in entertainment. Mm-hmm. I've been in pageants, like literally everything. And people don't look at me as someone who was, is struggling at all. Even I told my agent, I, I, I don't know what you say. I broke up with my agent last year because I was just like, I need to not. It was stressing me out more than like having her Hmm. more than it was helping me. And so I just said to her, listen, I'm going through a really hard time with depression. I need to not do this anymore. She was like, you never strike me as somebody who has depression. Hmm. And I think that's the thing. Um, the more you talk about it, the more people are like, oh, wow, like she's going through this. That's crazy. I never would have expected her 
She's someone who puts herself out there all the time. She does all these crazy things with Jana on the undateables. Like, right. And that's I'm what like, I meant about people who will follow you on social media thinking, this girl's got it all. Yeah. And I just want to be honest. It feels so good to just say what's actually happening. I don't want to always do crazy, funny, silly things. Mm-hmm. I'm more than that. I'm like, I, I'm a person who struggles with mental health. And I, it's... I don't want it to be a secret either. I don't want it to be like, oh, don't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to pick up my lithium prescription. Don't show it to anyone. No, I'm like, look, bitches, got my lithium. I'm going to feel so good. <laughs> like, I just, I just want to be honest about it. And I also want to joke about it a bit too. Like, I joke about it a lot because it is what it is. This is what my life is now. Mm-hmm. So, you know. And it's, it's, I think that's cool. That's, Great to hear because I think part of destigmatizing something mm-hmm. is being able to one obviously be open and being vulnerable about it, but then also if you are the person going through it, mm-hmm. being able to share it in this lighthearted way as yeah. well, right? I mean, it sucks. It's, it's oh, absolutely. It is, I'm not no, demeaning any of that, but it's cool that you take that approach, yeah, because it's true to you. It's it, and that's what I do anyway. I make fun of myself and um. But it, it it sucks sometimes too, and I hate it. But um, I think it's important for everybody to be able to talk about it. I don't want it to be a secret for me. Yeah, I just want it to be something normal. Do you think the stigma still exists? Because I I think we're pointed in the right direction when it comes to mental wellness. Like yeah. we certainly are having more conversations, and it's it's come up in the public consciousness quite a bit. Yeah. But do you think there's still a stigma? Like, do you would you Obviously, you're very open about sharing the stuff, but would this be something that you said in passing on a first date or something? No, I'd be scared probably. Yeah, Because there's one thing about depression, but when you say bipolar, I always see the change in people. They're like, oh, wow. Oh, Hmm. it's always a different reaction from people. Oh my God, I'm so sorry you have bipolar. Oh, I'm so sorry. With depression, it's more like, oh yeah, I know I get it. I've been depressed too. Like... Bipolar. And depression is still a thing. Yes, it totally <laughs> right. is. One hundred percent, it is. But people are more you. They're used to depression. They're used to people saying they're depressed. Yeah. People aren't really used to people saying I have bipolar, um, in a in a very casual, nonchalant sort of way. They're mm-hmm. not really used to it. So the first time I posted it on Instagram, I posted about the uh, fact that I have bipolar two and the fact that I'm taking lithium to treat it Mm -hmm. i was really scared to post that yeah just because i don't know the fact that i was posting my medication and and that sort of thing i was like people are gonna say i'm crazy Mm -hmm. and if i have like a moment where i'm very opinionated or outspoken are people gonna be like oh well that bitch is crazy that bitch has bipolar yeah 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 that would be a big worry for sure and you're a public person and i'm i'm mouthy i always have been mouthy (laughs) to my highs and lows i'm a mouthy bitch like that's just me so but I, it makes you a little bit worried. You're like, oh God, like, is am I now just going to be called crazy? Yeah. So it is a worry. But then at the end of the day, it's like, well, if you're going to call me crazy, then. Are there whatever. any like misconceptions still about either mental wellness or bipolar two or anything like that that you that you maybe realized or that you just want to like strike out of the public consciousness? I don't think anybody knows about bipolar 2. Sure. You, they just know bipolar. Mm-hmm. So whenever I say bipolar 2 to people, they're like, oh, what's what's the 2? What's the 2 about? I don't know if there's any misconceptions about it because I just don't think people know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people with um, 
a lot of people might think if you have bipolar, you're just nutso and you're just walking around being all crazy. But right. it's, I feel like I'm a very well-adjusted person who has this. I've learned to cope with it because I've had no other choice. <laughs> um, so I'm not wandering the streets yelling out at people, talking to myself, you know, like I'm, it's it's not like that. Yeah. It's very, it's quite normal. I think if someone talked to me, they'd see that. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to what you were saying earlier about your agent saying, oh, I would have never thought mm-hmm. that yeah. you were going through this. Because I think that many people who do suffer from this are fully functioning individuals, fully right? Fully functioning. And you don't, you may, maybe you, maybe people around them think they're quirky or whatever, but their colleagues to just people their friends their casual acquaintances mm-hmm. it might not seem like anything is wrong and i'm i've been in the arts since i was a little girl so like maybe if i was a little weird or or you know opinionated or whatever people were just like oh that's you know just megan and it is just me but i was very much able to um if i had to go to an acting class or if i went on the radio mm-hmm. i am very practiced in my poise and um i'm i'm so practiced at it like there was a time where i broke up with my boyfriend this is years ago and i was at my radio station crying i had 30 seconds until i went on air and i was like okay just like wipe my tears and i was like z103.5 the beat of halifax (laughs) (laughs) like i was just like like nothing happened no one ever would know so i am practiced at hiding all of these sort of emotions or turn it on i can turn it on and off do you feel either through this experience or maybe just as you've gotten older, even though you look younger? Oh, thanks. Do you feel like you're being more authentic and that you don't you're not putting it on as much? I mean, certainly it's different when you're acting or maybe even when you're on the radio, but otherwise right. in your life, do you feel like you're putting it on less? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty real. Actually, when people call me fake, I'm like do you know me? Like, have you ever talked to me before? Like maybe, you know, if you saw me walking up and down the street, I, I like to wear a lot of makeup and stuff like that. Maybe you think I'm fake that way, but I've always been um, pretty honest. Mm-hmm. And I think even more so now I've tried to be a more authentic and honest person and trying to become a better person, a, like the best person I can possibly be. Cause mm-hmm. I, you know, I've struggled with lots of different things over the years and, um, been a very stubborn person and been someone who doesn't want to, you know, apologize to anyone. I just want to, you know, be better at those things, have some humility. Um, so yeah, I think I'm becoming better and more authentic. Definitely. Yeah. What's the, uh, cause you're saying you're, you're, you're wanting to be this more authentic person. You are doing this. What's mm-hmm. the vision of what authenticity is for you? I think what I'm doing now, like that's, that's kind of why I have, spoken out about um suffering from mental illness because i feel like saying what's re saying what's happening is authenticity mm-hmm. this is my life this is real i have bipolar but i also uh, can be a really fun person i can joke i i'm sensitive i'm this i'm that so i think i think yeah, well, I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> Just what your vision of authenticity right, is. That's yeah. what it is. I think I am. I'm doing it. I think I'm doing it now. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And that was, again, very different stories. But that was the idea that I was trying to hark back to at the start of this podcast in mm-hmm. terms of, I think authenticity goes beyond the mold of being one type of person or always being, mm-hmm. having this expectation of doing this or doing that or totally. whatever. 
And I just find that when you're able to explore yourself, and it doesn't have to be by starting a podcast or anything like that, but when you're able to find a channel where you can explore yourself and the different sides of yourself, mm-hmm. that's awesome. And it feels so, like I said, liberating. It does. That you don't always have to be the funny person or mm-hmm. the super serious smart person or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. I feel like I'm doing that now for sure. And I, I love the feeling. I really don't give a fuck about what people think. Like, I mean, there's occasions where I do. I'm like, oh, that sucks that that person said that about me or whatever. Yeah. But for the most part, I really don't give a shit. Um, so I think that is also about living an authentic life. That is how I want to live it. Not mm-hmm. caring. <laughs> Just living it. What would you say to someone who's a fan of yours? Or maybe they, they're not a fan of yours. They just came across you and they hear about your story and they are concerned about their own mental wellness uh, and they're not sure if they have something or not, mm-hmm. but they've maybe been feeling a certain way or they've been told that whatever they're doing is not normal, mm-hmm. quote unquote. What, what advice would you have for that person? I would really um, tell that person to get a friend or a family member to go with them and go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. It helped me so much to have people go with me Mm -hmm. more than I could ever say. I I couldn't explain it properly. The closest people to you will be able to help you explain what you're doing, how you're acting um, uh, to a doctor. So I, I would say go to your doctor push 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 because a lot of the time they just want to you know give you a prescription and send you on your merry way right because you know they're not therapists they're not psychiatrists they're your gp Mm -hmm. but push to be sent somewhere you know and it sucks that's and i avoided it i should have been taking my own advice i avoided that for the for years going to my doctor Mm -hmm. because i didn't i just didn't know how I could get the proper treatment. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to explain it. Yeah. So take a friend, go to your doctor and push to get the help that you feel like you need. Yeah. Like going to a psychiatrist or therapist. I know I did ask to go to a psychiatrist about a year ago and the answer was, well, it takes really, it takes forever to get into a psychiatrist. Hmm. Like, well then put me on the list, bitch. <laughs> like, what do you think? You know? And then all of a sudden when I went to this free place in New West, I got in like that. Yeah. Because I think they were worried for me. Um, but yeah, it's just why is that the answer? It's a really long list to get a psychiatrist. What? Help yeah. me. Like, I don't know what to do with my my freaking head. And mm-hmm. even, actually, I remember this. One doctor that I went to, she's not my actual doctor. She was just um, there when my doctor was on vacation. She said, when I told her how I was feeling, she was like, well, you're not actually going to kill yourself, are you? Like, Interesting. I was like, I, I don't know. Should I, like, test it out? Test out the theory and maybe you will care? Like, Yeah. That's not a great answer or question. I don't know. Yeah, I felt like that was terrible. So push. Push to get the help you need. Yeah. I like what you said about bringing a friend or a loved one with you. Yeah. Because that I have not heard before. But when you're describing your experience, that makes so much more sense. It really does. Because it could be very difficult if something is normalized in your own being and your own lifestyle and Mm -hmm. how you live to describe that. 
Yeah, it is. It is completely. And my mom said some things to the therapist. I was like, whoa, I don't, I didn't even remember that. Right. So it's, it was so helpful. And my mom has seen me from day one till 33 yeah, years Yeah, she's of got age. the best read on you. Absolutely. She knows. And she has seen it too. Like, um, me go from zero to a hundred with my emotions and she was, it was so good having her there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, bring somebody that, that will, it, when things are so normalized to you and you've been through it for, like I said, 33 years, it's really hard to describe. Yeah. I struggle with that. Even still, I struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I certainly hope if it is a concern for someone, for themselves, maybe for a loved one, you know, seeking that out and there's there can be no harm done from that. Like no. you're just exploring what's happening. I would certainly advocate for that advice as opposed to what would have been my former advice, which would be go, go do some yoga. Go exercise. <laughs> Eat some kale. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that journey. It is a lot and I think it's very brave for you to want to do that. I mean, you are a public figure for you to come out and and like I said, you have a lot of followers and people that are fans of yours. So for you to come out and say that, that's really cool. So thank you. I appreciate that. But do you want to end like on a, on a lighter note? Yeah. <laughs> no more bipolar talk. <laughs> I'm more than my bipolar. Do you want to talk about dating disasters? Yeah, we can talk about dating disasters. Yeah. Can I tell you my dick pic story? Sure. Oh my God. This happened just the other day. Um, you weren't supposed to tell anyone about that, man. <laughs> Come on. Shit, sorry. Um, <laughs> so there's this guy that I just know from I know from back home in Halifax. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've never done anything. So I've never seen said dick before. Um, so, w- yeah, we went on like a date and that's about in it. In Halifax? In Halifax because I was there in January. Okay, gotcha. And he was like, want to go out? I was like, yeah, we had an awesome time. So much fun. Mm-hmm. Didn't do anything though. I went back to my the place I was staying at. He went home. Um so anyway, he's like, oh, I'm coming to Vancouver in July. Mm-hmm. We should go on a date or we should like hang out, party, whatever. I was like, yeah, sure. Sounds like fun. He's very weird. Like he will like message. We're having like a great conversation. All of a sudden he just drops off the face of the earth. Oh, he's one of those people. Yeah. Without saying like, hey, I'll be back. In yeah. A bit and I'll whatever. send like a huge message like that, like very long. And then he doesn't respond and he's done that numerous times yeah and it really just started to piss me off so i just deleted him off of everything oh just because i was just like just annoyed it's just annoying so anyway um i still had him on snapchat i very rarely use snapchat and i go on i see that he sent me a video oh a vid- and i was like i'll ignore that so i ignored it for three days <laughs> Because I was just like, he always ignores Don't those my expire shit. in Snapchat? Or they no. S- oh. No. They'll, they haven't been seen. If they haven't been seen, they'll last forever. So then I'm at work. I was like, oh, I forgot. I still haven't watched that video he sent me. I should watch it now. I shouldn't have watched it at work. It's the <laughs> NSFW, not safe for work. Um, so I open it. And it was one of those ones that loops around so I could watch it numerous times. Right. So th- at first, the camera is on his face. So I didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. This is so gross. Then he double clicks it so it turns around. And all I see is a toilet full of pee. And I was like, so you're going to show me that you just peed? And then all of a sudden, a hard dick comes into the frame. (laughs) And he starts shaking it back and forth like this and is going, dick pick, dick pick, dick pick. I, I know. And then it keeps looping around. So all I'm hearing is dick pick, dick pick, dick pick. Wow. And seeing us. But number one, why are you hard in the toilet? Like, like 
you know, you just went to the bathroom and I, it gross. And you're saying dick pic, dick pic, dick pic and shaking your dick. Oh, God. Wow. No, no, no. And it kept looping. And I was like trying to turn it down because <laughs> I was at work. It's <laughs> like, oh, my so, God. That's a dick vid. It's a, It was a dick vid. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't even put the thought into the background, like a toilet full of pee. Is yeah. Not, uh... Maybe I should flush the toilet. Maybe I should turn over to the <laughs> side. Maybe just not have the, the toilet wall. in. Yeah. <laughs> or not send it at all. I've never, like, why did you send me that? Like, why? Wow. I didn't ask for it. It, it was. And so you hadn't been contacting this person for no, a while. No, I hadn't even been talking to him. Interesting. I just had this random pic- or video all of a sudden on Snapchat because I had deleted him because he was annoying me. Yeah. So then maybe he just wanted to get my attention. So I left him on read, meaning he knows I saw it and I didn't say a damn thing back. Now, how awkward is that? That's cold. I feel like if I sent like a picture of myself, which I don't do unless it's like, you know, asked for and it's a trusting relationship. Mm -hmm. But if I did and someone just looked at it or whatever and just never said anything, I'd be like, oh, yeah, (laughs) embarrassing. Like I'd feel kind of stupid. Yeah. So that was my goal for him. I like that phrase. I left it on read. I left it on. I left I, you on read. I left him on read. Yeah. I left him on read. And I tried. I, well, I wanted to be able to take a picture of it, but it was, or just capture the video just so I could be like, what is this? Like, just show my friend and be like, what is this? But I also realized that maybe that's not appropriate to do. Well, fair enough. Does that mean that you guys aren't going to hang in a, hang out in uh, July? All I can think about is like, Dick pick, a dick toilet pick. full of pee and him going dick pick and shaking his dick back and forth like to the side. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. Yeah. I do wonder in what universe some people think that that would be. Okay. Arousing or <laughs> I definitely funny. wasn't aroused. Yeah. I was at work like literally like, oh my God. Oh my God. And the guy across from me was like, what? I was like. I, I'm I'm speechless. Yeah. I'm speechless right now. <laughs> Ugh. So, yeah. I I have a couple of... I have three dating stories. They're very quick. Okay. They don't involve dick pics, because I don't do that. No. No. You shouldn't. I've never done that. Why would you send an unsolicited dick pic just to somebody? Why? No. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that, men. <laughs> don't do that, men. Even solicited dick pics. Mm. I just I've been asked before. I'm not a fan. No I mean, girls like, that? oh yeah, fuck yeah, look at that dick. <laughs> no, no girls like that. They're just like, oh my god, look, he sent yeah. me a picture of his dick. Yeah, they're gonna show it to all their friends yeah. and laugh at you. Yeah. Why would you subject yourself to that? It's not terrible. No one really. Girls don't really care. Guys love pictures of girls because females have majestic bodies. Yes. Some guys do, but it's you know it's not the same for us. We don't mm. look at pictures like that and think, mm, I'm going to go home right now and, you know, right. watch some porn. You know, it just doesn't happen like that. Fair enough. My stories are not that dirty, but they're about okay. the, the mastery of the English language, which oh. has apparently become a thing for me now. Yeah. If you suck at English and that's your first language, I'm out. Jeez. I hope I was speaking. No, you're, well you're very articulate. <laughs> <laughs> so I was on a dating app. And uh, matched with someone and we were chatting. It was all normal. And I think she said something funny or cute or whatever. And I said, uh, oh, you're really cute. And she texted back, that's my ammo, like A-M-M-O. Oh. And so so I responded like, ammo, question mark. And she was like, yeah, you know, my ammo, like my ammunition. (laughs) And I was like, I think you mean 
M-O, and I capitalized like, M and O, yeah. like modus operandi, yeah. method of operation, whatever. Yeah, your M-O. And so I was like, I think you meant M-O. And then her <laughs> response was like, no, no, you're Mo. And I was like, what? what? Oh, my God. I'd be like, okay, no. It was. <laughs> Leave you on read, girl. Yeah. And that's that. That was, uh, that was an instant unmatch. I was like, okay, we're done. <laughs> Uh, another Mo is harsh. I'm very harsh. Yeah. Yes. It takes it takes very little to to get the. Drop. Well, I mean, yeah. it is kind of unattractive when somebody can't really speak Not the good. language. Yeah. Or, you know. I was on a I was on a date a couple months ago. Took this date to a magic show. Oh. Camillo the creative. magician. Creative. Yeah, it was a great show. It was at the Jewish Community Center. Right. Which sounds like uh, it's going to be some crappy rec center. It's a great venue. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty. It's really cool. So we watch the magic show. I turn to her and I say, yeah, how'd you like it? And then she turns back. She's very uppity at this point. <laughs> and she goes, that's not real magic. That was just quick of hand. Quick of hand. Yeah. Yeah. So f- there's, a, there's a couple of things to unpack here. First of all, what is real magic? Because she was yeah. like, that's not real magic. And... And then more pressingly, quick of hand, right? That was kind of weird. So I thought, okay, maybe it was a slip of the tongue, whatever. And (laughs) I said, uh, I said, yeah, like that was mostly sleight of hand. But like, did you catch where he was doing it? Because obviously, if you see where they're doing it, then it sucks. Yeah. But if, but if you know that they're doing it, but you still have no idea, then it's still awesome, right? Yeah. And she was like, no, but. That's just quick of hand, and that's not real magic. Oh my <laughs> it was like good God. very insistent. I and here's the thing: I could tolerate someone who believes in magic. I think sure, but the quick of hand thing <laughs> was, and you couldn't even leave her on read because you were face to face. No, I just dropped her off and <laughs> did not. <Peace>. Yeah, <laughs> did not continue that. And then the the most recent one just recently happened, and this is similar in a similar vein. Have you tried Hinge? No. I know you're like, that's like the new app. By yeah, the way. I've been hearing a lot about it, but no. That is I can't. that is the go to app now. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, basically it's you set up your pictures like you would in Bumble or Tinder or whatever, but then it's like a mini profile, so you can pick three things to talk about. Oh. And there's different questions or different things you can write. And one of the categories is fun fact I just learned. Oh, cool. And so this profile, very nice looking, attractive lady had in her profile a fun fact that she just learned. And she wrote in that box, men horses carry the baby. Men horses. Again, a two-parter here, right? (laughs) Men horses. Like a a centaur? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like the half man, (laughs) half horse. men horses. (laughs) So that was an interesting turn of phrase. And then I thought maybe it was a mistake and maybe she meant seahorses, but just didn't Yeah, because those do. They do. Yeah, they, do. they absolutely the do. So I did match with her, but I, I mean, listen, she was attractive, but I was also very curious about this men horses thing. <laughs> so we, you know, got the initial like, hey, what's going on? Whatever. And then I said, by the way, did you mean seahorses? And she responded, no, horses do. Do seahorses as well? Oh, God. That's so confusing. So in my mind, I'm just like, how does this work for her? Like, does she think that men horses are pregnant and and they get inseminated or something? Like, how does... She she didn't think this through. Has she seen the dicks on a man horse? How would he get pregnant? Right? That's the other... (laughs) And everyone, like, the the phrase hung like a horse is a thing. So she didn't put two two together. 
and I won't, I had so many questions. Yeah. And I, di- I, I feel bad because maybe I had, I didn't insult her, but she probably took it that way. And she ended up unmatching me after I was like, <laughs> I called her out on that. That is so funny. But I just wanted to know what she thought, how she thought horses reproduce. I don't know what she was thinking. She's on another level. Right? Bitch is on another level. <laughs> like, And the, the strange thing is that's something when you're setting up a dating profile, you're consciously thinking about yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Right? I love how you wanted to have a conversation with her about it too. <laughs> I just wanted to find out. I just would have been like, unmatched. And then Googled it. <laughs> Do men horses give birth? <laughs> what am I missing here? I feel like maybe that's what she did. But you know what? I hope that... She fixed her profile and maybe found the love of her life. Yeah. And I'll take the assist on that. Yeah. I'll be very you happy never to know. know that There's happens. someone who will appreciate that sentence. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> There's someone in this world for everybody. Not me. That's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Not Imagine me being with your friends. Like you're, you're introducing your partner to your friends and someone and your partner then busts out. Did you know that men horses <laughs> carry the baby? My friends would never let me hear the end of that. Yeah. My my friends would also be like, my friends would probably be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you, what do you mean? They would just call, call her I out. I think so. No. Yeah. My friends would uh, smile and nod and then they would make fun of me afterwards. <laughs> yeah. They're slick, those friends of yours. Right? Yeah. We got to wrap it up. Aw. I know. It just flew by. That flew by. Was that an hour? Yeah. Oh my God. I think God. so. We might have even gone over. That's crazy. No, that did flee, fly by. Flee by. Flee by. <laughs> Don't hate me now that I got that word wrong. Oh, this episode's cut. <laughs> it's not making Scrapped. Yeah, it's done. Awesome. How do people follow you? How do they learn more about your journey? This is your chance to plug all your stuff. Well, people, um, you can follow me on Instagram. I do quite love Instagram. It's at it's Megan Edwards. Um, I don't really use Twitter, but you can follow me on that at the Megan Edwards or the Megan Edwards. And then I guess Facebook. But, you know, Instagram is my thing. That's your jam. Yeah. I just love Instagram. Not so. Snapchat. No, do not send me dick pics either, because if you do, I'm going to talk about it on the next podcast with Mo and I'll say your name. Well, Megan, you are a gem. I am so honored that you're here that you wanted to bear your journey on this show. Thank you. And I really hope that people out there do know that it's okay to seek assistance, Mm -hmm. to ask questions, to explore what's happening with their mental health. Maybe it is something, maybe it's not something, but hey, it's totally okay. There's no harm in exploring what's happening. Right. And, you know, we do get, we still do get bogged down these stigmas. I think it is getting better. We're pointed in the right direction. But as you said, making that community for yourself, whether it is bringing a friend with you mm-hmm. to an appointment, is so important. And for you to be here, to be vulnerable, use your profile and your fan base, because you do have a lot of fans, and share yourself and share your story, I think that's really cool. So I just want to say that you know I suck at advice when it comes to <laughs> mental wellness, because clearly my advice is just go to yoga. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm learning. I'm getting better. But uh, I totally support you in, in whatever way I may and in your journey. So thank you. thank you for being here. Of course. I've had so much fun. Thank me you too. for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't even know what to say except thank you. I am so grateful for every listener, every piece of feedback. I hope you're subscribed to the show. I hope you follow the show on all the social media because I am not stopping anytime soon. 
And how can I possibly stop when I have these kind of conversations like this one that I am privileged to share with you? Thank you for listening, and thank you to all my amazing guests over the past year, including the first one and now the most recent one. She just broke the podcast on its first anniversary. She <laughs> is Megan Edwards, and I am Moamir telling you that in a city where you can be anything, for heaven's sake, Vancouver, be colorful. Peace. Peace.